Hello and welcome to another episode of How Not To Make A Game. Joining me tonight is Jake Hollins, a multidisciplinary graphic designer with a focus on design for interaction, video games and music. Hi Jake. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. How are things with you? Yeah, lovely. Just uh, finished up on some work today, but got a fun project going, yeah. Good. Excellent. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Uh, I guess I'm a game designer now. I was a graphic designer and I still refer to myself as that because I don't want to get too locked into games only. Mm-hmm. But um focusing mostly on idle games because they're really interesting mm-hmm. um, and still largely on design rather than game design. But hey, <laughs> uh, I guess that's about it at the moment, yeah. yeah. As a graphic designer and artist within the industry, what would be your main role as part of a project? Uh, well, at, at the moment, actually, on the current project, I'm directing so we must have a team of about eight to ten at its peak at the moment mm-hmm. so i'm running the show on that uh i do tend to lean more towards art direction in that and then a high level game design and then we have like a dedicated game designer who's uh getting down and dirty with that um mm-hmm. so yeah it, it, it i still largely towards the design and ux end i guess is where my strengths are at and where i'm trying to make games feel really good you are probably best known as the um, developer of Space Plan, but before that, you also worked with Rule Seven as part of the BAFTA award-winning team that made Not a Hero. On that project, you were the lead artist. Uh, what additional responsibilities came with being the lead artist on that project? Uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, I, I well, I, I was called lead artist. I was actually the only artist that just helped pad out my CV <laughs> a bit better. But, um, yeah it was it was mostly uh just me and john who was the uh game designer and director and then there was uh red button audio a uh, guy guy uh was on audio um so it was mostly i think just us three working on that game mm. and yeah as i i started out i was brought on to just do a logo for the game actually but um that I, I somehow ended up in an interview to be the background artist on it mm-hmm. um and i just kind of rolled with that then pushed that i could do character art and ended up moving into animation and two for my first time like doing pixel art or animations and so it just kind of steamrolled into eventually doing like the merchandise design and the uh, <laughs> marketing assets and everything so it was like everything that involved something visual 3d 2d or anything was me pretty much uh, there, there, there was another graphic designer who actually popped on uh here and there to take care of assets when i couldn't handle the huge workload <laughs> so you were part of the the team of five um that were working on not a hero were there any difficulties experienced by the team during the project uh i think it's, it's hard to say really um i think that it was kind of a chaotic project when when i joined uh i started working on it i think towards the end of february 2014 and i was still studying Mm -hmm. at university at the time and so i was like doing it in the evenings after uni and then uh i i was only meant to be on it for about three months then it was meant to release but it went on for over a year after i graduated Mm -hmm. just because we I, i don't know what was going on um above me in the hierarchy exactly but um i think the scope of the game increased and so it was just kind of uh 
chaotically being built with a bit of an open end to it. Um, and we, we did quite a few passes of all of the art assets as I kind of learned how to do them. So there, there, there was that. And then at, at the same time, it was the, uh, we were touring with it quite a bit around America. Mm. Uh, I say touring, I mean, you know, just popping to the expo here and there. Yeah. So that was a lot. So, so I, I guess it was just in, yeah, it was, it, it, it was, uh, really, how do, how do I put it? Like with, with assets, we wouldn't like things weren't really planned ahead. It would be more like, oh, this week we need a helicopter. And so mm. I just kind of have to design a helicopter on the spot and have to like <laughs> nail it first try. Um, things like that. Uh, so, so I guess that's where the difficulties came through is through these kind of really quick turnaround, uh, assets and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, while doing a lot at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Was this one of the first commercial projects you worked on? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty weird. <laughs> It was really cool too, because I mean, I I didn't actually know who Devolver Digital were um, mm-hmm. at the time, and I ended up uh, working with them on like my first project while still at uni, and so that I think that was being a pretty good start to my career. That's helped me a mm-hmm. lot um, with Space Plan as well. <laughs> yeah, how did you get involved in the project? Um, you said you'd interviewed just as for doing a part of a logo and whatever. I went to a London Indies meetup. And it was, yeah, in the pub at Angel just to do research for my dissertation because um, mm-hmm. I wanted to do that on, like, uh, how graphic design can help the games industry. So I just turned up to that and ended up just kind of... I, I walked into John from Roll 7 there and um, had a drink and played his game. And then in the morning, I just emailed him saying, like, hey, can I use your game in my dissertation? And uh, he found my portfolio through that and just invite, uh, invited me to interview. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool of him getting students involved with a project with a publisher like that as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, so that yeah, that's that's how I got involved with them. There was a fair amount of hype around um, Not a Hero, I think, just generally um, in the media, well, in the, sort of the gaming press and what have you, sort of prior to and during the release. Part of that came down to the inclusion of the winner of Peter Molyneux's Curiosity Cube game, the, him being uh, included then as a character. Did the attention that that generated for the game um, cause any additional stress for the team? Uh, I don't remember if... I don't really remember the reception to it. Um, so what was it quite big? I <laughs> it seemed to be. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so yeah, that was that was exciting. Um, like the the way that kind of worked is that I think our producer sort of jumped on the opportunity when the news came out that he had kind of been screwed over in in that situation, and so uh, I I I think I received a call like quite late at night just saying like we need um, you to make this guy as a character for not a hero within the next like four hours or something and um <laughs> yeah so that the, the, I'd, I'd kind of quickly push that out and um i'm not exactly sure what was arranged our end for it mm-hmm. um but yeah it was a very quick turnaround kind of marketing stunt i guess mm-hmm. but yeah I, I don't remember the reception that it caused or anything moving on to your own project then um obviously which is space plan um, which I still regard as just a fantastic example of what a clicker game should be. Thank you. <laughs> if, if that's fair. That's lovely. Yeah. Uh, 
What was the inspiration for Space Plan? Uh, I guess mostly a dark room. <laughs> I I played that while studying. Uh, I guess I was just procrastinating with it over a weekend. I mean, I say procrastinating, but you know, like what's great about idle games is that you can actually do things while playing them. <laughs> mm. So. So yeah, I, I I really liked that for kind of the really slow way that the world opens up, and um, just mm-hmm. like the low commitment to the gameplay, and and that it was a an, an idle game with an ending. Yeah, and then uh, Cookie Clicker as well, which mm-hmm. isn't the area that I think idle games it it doesn't necessarily show their strengths, um, but that yeah. I think it, that they have. But um, like when I first played that game, I was blown away that such a simple mechanic could be so fun to play mm-hmm. um you know before you go too far down that rabbit hole <laughs> yes but yeah I, I i suppose they were like the gameplay inspirations for that anyway yeah you have made a prototype then of it how long did it take to plan and make the prototype the prototype um there was no planning it was like i i was working as front-end design uh yeah front-end designer developer at a uh, a like website company at the time and Mm -hmm. in my spare time i was just learning to do javascript so it's just a way to learn javascript i i Mm -hmm. just got like a circle going on the screen and was quite excited and um (laughs) and then was like yeah i'm gonna learn how to just code gravity for this did that for a bit of fun and watched this like little dot fall towards this big red dot i had and just like (laughs) shoot past it and i was like that was really fun to watch um, so I just started building more and more of them, and then, uh, and then I was just like, okay, I need to. I'm, I'm going to make this a clicker now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then I, you know, I just started dreaming up a story about it, and um, it it really just was built as it went mm-hmm. over three months. I made it like yeah, no planning involved, and then um, well, there, there was some scribbles in my journal as I went to kind of try and make sense of it as I went, and then. Yeah. Um, then I just kind of was like, I got I got to the end, was like, this is kind of a polished, nice thing. I might actually try and market this a little bit. So I just put out a couple of tweets beforehand and felt like that was a marketing campaign. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then just released that, yeah. The you say that the um you coded it mo- was it mostly coded in JavaScript? Yeah, it was uh, well HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I don't know if you count those, but yeah, it was basically JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you just thought because it was a sort of fairly good little game, um, was that then the inspiration of just turning it into a, a more fuller game? So when I was building the web version, uh, when I did start to feel like I might have something, I, I, I'd i actually built the web version uh, so that, what's it called? So it was responsive so that you can scale down your window size and it would still work. Uh-huh. Um yeah. But then I suddenly realized that actually, if this does succeed, then I don't want it to work on mobile web browsers because I want to make an app for it. <laughs> so I axed all of the mobile support for the web version <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and was just like, okay, there's my way into like monetizing this, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So that that was all the planning went in, into that. And then like the, the night that I released it, or the day rather that I released it, um, when it started like, kicking off and getting a lot of attention i i immediately i didn't know whether to celebrate or to work and so uh, <laughs> i went to the pub with my sketchbook and did both and um <laughs> i just had a couple of beers while like uh drawing up 
plans for my mobile version and um doing research on like I'd, I'd never used unity or anything so doing research on to how to do a mobile version and um yeah that all just went a bit crazy yeah how difficult was it to take what you had already coded for the prototype and then turn it into a non-browser game um, for both Steam and mobile? Uh, it was it was a challenge. Like, what I I had to return to my project the other day to um look at doing sixty-four bit support for Android, and uh, when I opened the project up, just like the way it's built is, I know a lot of indies say it, but yeah, like it was just you know duct tape and just. A total mess, um, especially with what I've learned working with an actual developer now. Like the things I do are terrible, mm. and while while there is that, um, actually building it, I don't think was that difficult mm. because I wasn't building it to be future proof. You know, I was just throwing things together and uh, trying to get it to work as best I could. P- porting that over, like I obviously I had to ditch all of my code from the JavaScript version because it just wouldn't work in, in Unity. Mm. And um, I wanted to rebuild it like in 3D and just to be better and more robust than the web version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. What, th- was there another bit to that question? I thought like there was. <laughs> How difficult it was, but oh, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah, if there was... Yeah, I mean... Uh, if, if you basically had to ditch an awful lot of the code and what have you, it was near enough built from um, the bottom up again. Yeah, but I think, like, when I think about it, I think it only took, like, two months. So it, it took three months to make the web, web version, but it took about two months mm-hmm. to rebuild that in unity just because i knew exactly what needed to be done yeah but then it was it was like the following months that were spent uh you know polishing that up takes a lot when you move to unity and um Mm -hmm. and getting like the additional content in there and coming up for that additional content too that was that was the biggest hurdle i think how much changed story-wise between the two versions? Um, I had a playthrough of both versions recently there, and I noticed that one of the things that was toned down was the actual swearing from the prototype to uh, the more commercial release. Yeah, I mean, when I made the web version, it was just me pissing about. Um, <laughs> so when I wrote that story, I, I'd just been reading Stephen Hawking's Brief History of Time, which is, of course, like big inspiration for that. And um, yeah. And so I was just sitting down, like, banging out my uh, semi-understanding of what I'd learned from that, um, <laughs> just in this silly way. When, yeah, I put that down with kind of crass language and stuff and had a laugh with it. Mm-hmm. And then when it got quite big, I'd get emails from, like, kids' dads being like, <laughs> like, I thought this was a kid's game. <laughs> and, um, and, and loads of people saying, like, you know, it it's all like uh family friendly but then like 90 percent of the way in you hit us with a bunch of swell words <laughs> um, and you know I, so i get why that would piss people off because i kind of misled them with this but um mm-hmm. at the same time i wanted to have the attitude of like uh like so what i'm just doing my own thing it's <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not my problem but um I guess that between then and releasing the bigger commercial version, I realised that perhaps I do have a responsibility, <laughs> and um, and I should actually think about who is playing this. And I expect a lot of kids are, and uh, and so I did look at it, and I felt that like the swearing didn't really add anything necessarily. I think it mm-hmm. sort of did when when he throws down like how stupid their plan is. Yeah, I think it works there when he's like, "We'll just slap some." off massive boosters to this planet <laughs> i liked how just kind of 
stupid that was. So toning that down, I think weakens bits like that. But when I look at uh, yeah. whether it's worth just kind of the innocence that can come with avoiding swearing, I think I think it's worth it. Yeah. There was also then sort of the expanded end game uh, for the big release. What was your thinking behind that? I know it's a lot of people get what happens at the end. Do you know what happens at the end? Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I have played it at <laughs> least. I think my recent playthrough was number six. Oh, wow. I think. Yeah, because um, yeah, a lot of people think that, oh, I just decided to screw around with flashy images for seven minutes, which is it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a seven-minute ending. I didn't realize that until recently. Um, but yeah, there there is a reason behind it you know you like exploring the universe and all these different dimensions yeah. and you never find home but home still exists mm-hmm. and i i think i was just i can't remember i think i was like whenever i'm working on something i've no idea what the ending exactly is going to be just kind of an idea of what feeling i want to give people and um mm-hmm. with that i just wanted to give like end on a feeling of like total hopelessness but with a little bit of a redeeming feeling to it so I, I thought a lot of time for a long time about how to do that and it was just kind of i wanted to because it was the first ending you land on this planet and it's filled with potatoes um i liked how ridiculous and kind of hopeless that ending was mm-hmm. and i figured i needed to like kind of scale that up in some way and so it was this whole idea that you sort of screw up the whole universe and um, and then go into other universes too. So I was just kind of going with that. And then uh, for the feeling of it, I wanted to just, like, just kind of ramp up how chaotic it feels. And I don't know, yeah. And, and just have a lot of fun with it. So I was learning how to use Unity. And I was like, oh, no, I want to see what I can do. One of the things that sort of interests me whenever I'm sitting playing it is I almost try and stress test it. <laughs> so whenever I'm playing and I'm going for like trying to get all the numbers up to 100. Mm. Now, usually it just takes far too long. Um, whenever I'm starting to do like the tater towers and things like that, I'm just wondering how much testing was done on the game, but you know, before it was released. I left the testing until quite late. Mm-hmm. I I kind of built the game. I didn't really know how the process went very well, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so when it got to I think the last two months before release, I contacted Volver and said I'm ready to test. And um, they put me into contact with like two uh, teams somewhere in Europe who I sent the game to. And there was a lot of uh, testing then, although I don't know if it was largely around stress testing it. I think it was more about just making sure that all the loose ends were tied up and it functioned. Mm. But everyone seems to stress test it and I can't blame them. Um, And I'm glad (laughs) that I didn't stress test it because actually i did do a bit of a stress test and i remember just being surprised at how well the game handled it um which Mm. i totally put down to unity doing a good job and not me (laughs) but like i I think that i just kind of figured you know if anyone does stress it enough to break their phone they're probably trying to so Mm. i'm gonna let them (laughs) so so why not and um yeah i've I've had quite a few friends send me um videos and screenshots of them um on the first like puzzle planet when Mm. it like when you complete it it like fires everything that was on it away from it and so people like to cover that with um because i also i cap the price of potato wedges (laughs) um Mm -hmm. 
And so you can make loads of them that their price doesn't increase exponentially. Mm-hmm. And so people like to cover the planet with those and with mashed potato and then complete that puzzle and just watch the fireworks and send me videos and screenshots of it. So yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't stop that from happening. <laughs> you have left the prototype um, available to play through the Space Plan website. Do you think this has helped the exposure of Space Plan and transferred into sales? Uh, I have no perspective over how effective that's been um mm-hmm. like the the games had a really long tail i don't know how mm-hmm. how long they're meant to be but i mean it's still supporting me now only just um like every month mm-hmm. which is very good i'd say yeah and uh like yeah when when i was working on the full version i had no intention to ever bring down the prototype because i kind of like that it's out there mm-hmm. and i figured it could be another way to just drive traffic into the actual game yeah so yeah i just i didn't see any point in removing it and then on top of that uh like while i was working on space plan uh the mobile version someone uh like pretended to be me and and like uploaded the web version to congregate uh-huh. and in that one day uh like congregate emailed me because of the amount of attention it got and um and they were <laughs> like oh we're so glad you put this on our site and um and i was like no i didn't <laughs> And so they like got this person's account and just handed it over to me. Um, since well, it was pretending to be me anyway. So, um, and I I shut it down and took it off of Congregate and uh, and thought to myself, okay, like on release day, I'm going to put it on Congregate to drive that traffic again, like get that boost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that, and it's it's still like till today getting like thousands of people every like day or week or something still playing it on Congregate. Oh wow. And I've I've got a pop up on the front page of that saying the full version is out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figure I, d- I don't know how much traffic's that driving, but I, I expect it's giving me some at least. It's still amazing that in the comments people are like um, saying like, "Oh, is there any more of this?" And it's like, "Yeah, there's a pop up that you have to click every single time you load it." <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's amazing. There's just no point in trying to do that kind of thing. Like ninety percent people aren't going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as part of the uh, commercial release then for Space Plan, Logan Gabrielle was brought on to do the music and the audio. How did that collaboration come about, and how closely did you work together on the music? So Logan, I started working with in 2013 um he was a client of mine when i was working as a graphic designer i got in contact yeah i got in contact with his label who are looking for people to do album covers so we worked together back then Mm -hmm. and um hit it off really well just uh i I, he was the first musician i worked with who cared what their album cover was like um which was really really for me because i get really into like the meaning of you know, when you're creating an album cover, like, oh, this needs to mean this, even if no one cares, it's just that's what gives my job meaning. Yeah. So, and and he liked that I cared too. And so we just hit it off. And from there, like, anytime one of us was working on a project, like, if he needed visuals or something, he would email me and I'd just make it for free. And if I need music or something, uh, he would make it for me. Mm-hmm. So on Space Plan, the prototype... I was like, I've been working on this silly little thing. Do you want to make me some UI sounds for it? So he did that. Um, I didn't bother him for much more because I thought it'd be a waste of his time. And then uh, when that, like, and with that, I said, like, because we had tips on the page and I said, you can have a share of those, obviously. But then 
yeah, when when we got the offer from Devolver to make it into a full thing, uh, I yeah, I just asked him if he wanted to, do it and he was like, yeah. So that, I guess that's how it came about. Like, yeah, we I had him do a full soundtrack to that, and that was really exciting. With with pretty much all the music, I pretty much had to give no direction for it. Uh, I I mean, you know, besides just saying I want some ambient tracks and some spacey tunes, and um, and he just threw them together and pretty much all of them just nailed on the first go yeah <laughs> or they just get better and better the the first song which is probably one of my favorites where it has like the really long intro before the beat kicks in yeah on that one like he i think that's the first song he made for it and i loved it so much i think it probably drove a lot of um the ux um and he at one point i downloaded his update on the music and he'd removed that really long intro so it kicks straight into the beat mm-hmm. and i was like what are you doing <laughs> and um and he just said that he was worried that people wouldn't sit around long enough for the intro to kick in um mm-hmm. so he removed it because he thought people would mute the music before that and i was just like no <laughs> like that that's one of the, that's what makes the whole game feels so good at the start is how long it takes for that to kick in. Yeah. So we stuck with it and a lot of people seem to really like that. Mm-hmm. How important is the music as part of the experience of Space Plan and even for any other projects in general? I think that in general it's really important. On Space Plan I'd say that the music is like as important as the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, I, I think that the game wouldn't have done nearly as well without it mm-hmm. but, but you know i think it's mutually beneficial because it also gives logan an audience for that music yeah yeah I'd, I'd say really important it's a shame that uh like we have to design knowing that people are going to mute it but um that's it's important to let people do that obviously um and I, i'm i'm working with logan again on my current project and for the kind of next project i've already got him working on stuff so yeah expect lots more you'll hear lots more from him yeah how cool was it to find out that the soundtrack was then going to be released uh, as a vinyl record yeah that was really cool it was actually after release that um the label i think black screen records contacted logan and asked if he wants to and obviously had to run it by me and i was like only if i get to design it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was really exciting especially because like as a graphic designer designing a final record is like one of the bucket list kind of things you know um yeah. so i cheated and did my own <laughs> um so yeah it was really cool to do especially to get it i've still got like three copies of it um with me right now but yeah i really like it. it it came out so well yeah space plan then was obviously published by devolver digital how did that partnership come about and when in the project um, for the commercial release did that happen? So I knew them obviously from working at Roll7 mm-hmm. and then uh, I thought that was kind of it when I left Roll7 but then uh, when the web version of Space Plan got out I think probably about two or three days later I was at a launch party for I think it was for Reigns in London mm-hmm. and um, walked into some of the Devolver team there and I was chatting to them and um, I I was planning on looking for a publisher for it but I wasn't going to ask Devolver mm-hmm. because I didn't think they'd want it because mm-hmm. I was just like it's a really silly little game you know I've got to go to like a really small publisher who's gonna 
be like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do your game. <laughs> but um, and so yeah, I'd chat, I'd chat with them there, but not about that. And just uh, at the end of the night, it was like, I'm going to email you asking some ad- for some advice later. And uh, then I I typed up this email that was like the least confident email I've ever written um, to <laughs> Devolver saying like, can you give me advice on looking for another publisher? And um, while I was writing this email, I got an email from one of Devolver's team in America. Mm-hmm. And he emailed me saying like, what's this space plan thing? Um, what do you want to do with it? Can we help? <laughs> and so I just deleted that email, my, my uh, draft one, and was just like, yeah, I got ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that was in uh, like August or something. They approached me for that in 2017. And obviously straight away, I like threw a pitch together, sent it off. I thought things would move really quickly. And so mm-hmm. I sent it off. And then like, I think over a month later, I was still waiting for a response. And mm-hmm. uh, then I, I was having a really bad day at my job at the time and quit on the spot in my job <laughs> just thinking screw it i'm gonna try and make space plan work whether to over approve the uh pitch or not mm-hmm. and then like two weeks later they got back to me saying they do approve <laughs> which is good so yeah and then so i think it was in like august that august or september that i pitched and then it was probably approved uh like november or something mm-hmm. what were the benefits of having a publisher for space plan um, I know I saw sort of a tweet thread recently going through the reasons behind getting a publisher, um, but also being very wary about going in blind as such, um, and so wanting to do sort of research into the who the publisher are, what sort of games they release, whether or not they manage a community that your game would sit and things like that. How much did you do before that, and then what were the benefits um, of going with Devolver? I did no research before. And I I would (laughs) definitely recommend that people do research publishers. Mm -hmm. I think with Devolver, I worked them a bit on Not a Hero. And so I knew that they were lovely to work with Mm -hmm. um, and really easygoing. And I just trust them. And then uh, from, you know, the news that they're in and things, I've I've never seen a bad thing about them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just, I didn't feel bad at all about going into it without research just because I knew that I trusted them. The benefits of working with them, uh, like it, what I really like with Devolver is that on both my projects, uh, they kind of approve it. They have the confidence that it's going to go well. And then throughout development, they leave me alone almost entirely, just do what I like. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And I can kind of shape the game how I want it um, without being bothered. <laughs> and then as soon as I need them for absolutely anything, I can ping them and they'll get back to me like within, you know, just, just really quickly of exactly what I need. Yeah. To me, that's that's what's important for me with a publisher is just that they have, that they're there when I need them for things. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of the project, when it gets to all the horrible stuff like localization and testing and marketing, I'm just, I can be confident that they're going to do those things. So it's just like talking to my team at the moment, they're just like, oh God, when are we going to, you know, get a lot uh, localization team involved? And uh, I can just say, as soon as we need to, we just tell that to Devolver. They hook us mm-hmm. up to, to the team in like a couple of days and uh, we can just get start, started straight away. Like we just don't need to worry about that. Well, the logistics of it anyway. So yeah, they, they just take care of that nasty stuff that 
is very stressful, the most stressful part in a project. Yeah, I've noticed whenever I recently finished Base Plan there that uh, there was about it's been translated and localized into about eight languages or so. Yeah, I think I think like eleven or twelve maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I'd never done anything like that before, and um, actually I sort of had on on Not a Hero all of the menus in Not a Hero are images. They they don't mm-hmm. use text, so every menu item you see is an image that's baked in Mm -hmm. and then for that uh, menu you have a cursor and the cursor rotates and it takes four frames to rotate so you have an image of the entire menu four times for that animation on that selected item so if you have eight items on that menu you've got it per four frames for the coaster uh, for, the, for the cursor, which is four times eight. So there's 32 frames for that one menu page. Mm-hmm. And we had this for very deep menus in Not a Hero. And that was like probably like a thousand uh, images for one language. Ooh, um, yeah. And I I had to do this for every single language. And it was, it was like 10,000 images or something, I think, for the menus in that game. And that was... That was um, that took like weeks to do, I think. Um, but yeah, with with, with this, so I had done a lot before, but with Space Plan, I I hadn't done it to this extent, and I'd like hard coded all of the narrative, which I don't know if that means much to you, but it's a terrible idea. Most people have it in <laughs> spreadsheets, so you can just dynamically swap it out. Yeah, but if it's hard coded, then it's hard to explain how bad an idea that is. <laughs> but yeah, that, 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 that caused a big holdup with Space Plan. Uh, you'd mentioned earlier there that Space Plan has had like a really long tail off. <laughs> My next question was just going to be, since the release, have you been happy with its sales? I'm going to go that that's a yes. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a sobering moment when like the, the game came out uh, on mobile and I saw that on uh, iOS it was like top 10 in the world i think wow okay yeah i saw that and was like oh shit, like I, I can buy a house which is you know <laughs> the the millennial version of like i'm rich or something yeah and so i got i got super excited and then when i actually saw the royalty check it was like i i can't buy a house <laughs> but because like i mean to be clear like i was ecstatic at how well it had done and mm-hmm. like like I say it supported me for coming on three years now which is amazing i think what i didn't like about that is realizing that a top 10 game in the world hardly makes like makes enough to support one person like if if i were running a studio in london or something getting top 10 in the world isn't enough to support your studio if you're making a premium game that's just Mm. insane to me so that that's why i didn't like that but for me personally i'm just like this is great (laughs) Do you think part of the problem with that is that the platforms take too much of a share? Uh, I mean, I do think the platform takes too much of a share for the service they provide, especially considering mm-hmm. you don't have an option. And so I think, you know, what Epic Games are doing is a bit more reasonable. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think it's because of that necessarily. Like that, that would help a little bit, but really... That would be what, like, eighteen uh, percent more on top of it if mm. they were to do the same as Epic, which it's not exactly groundbreaking, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's fantastic and it's a very pro developer, 
but it's not going to I don't think it will necessarily turn the industry around or anything. I think that if you want to have a safe and I don't know safe is the right word, but a consistent revenue flow, then I think that free to play is the way to go for bigger companies still. Mm-hmm. One sort of last question then is just what are you currently working on? Uh, I can't talk much about it. But <laughs> it's understandable. Yeah, so. it's, well, it's it's an idle game and it's narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's with an exciting IP, which is why I can't talk much about it. Mm-hmm. And it should be coming out towards the end of the year, I think. Okay. But it's it's an idle game again with this one. Like with Space Plan, I'm very happy. But the one thing I don't like about Space Plan is the clicker mechanic. Mm-hmm. I think that um, like that is, is great, but it's the thing that it makes most people feel bad because mm. when they think back to their experience, they think of just sitting there clicking for ages. Yeah. And like, I think that's where like it, and, and it's like an addiction mechanic. Right. And so with this one, we're trying to like do an idle game without any of these kind of addiction mechanics. Okay. So, um, I mean, I can tell you a bit, a bit about it. Uh, like the, the main loop is around, uh, sending parties out into the wilderness mm-hmm. and then, uh, like a couple hours later or something, you'll receive a message from them asking for guidance on what they should do. And so that's where that idle mechanic comes in. You just kind of, you tell them what Mm. to do and leave them to it. Uh, There's no microtransactions or anything to bypass that timer. That's just part Mm. of the gameplay. Okay. And in the meantime, it gives you smaller things to do, but it doesn't try to, like they're not like clicker, instant gratification kind of things. So um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't try and force you to be like, right, I've got to pay attention to this constantly for the next X hours. Instead, it's like um, it encourages you to put the game down, go do something else and come back to it later. Mm -hmm. But it does so in like a non-condescending way. And it doesn't say like, hey, you've played this game enough. Stop it. It, It's just like, if you do (laughs) want to hang around, here's some stuff to do, but we're not going to try and make you feel like you need to do it. Mm -hmm. So it feels good to like experiment with this kind of thing. It might be a bit risky. Because I think that a lot of people really want those addiction mechanics, but I don't know if it's the kind of game that I want to make. I'd really like to explore, uh, like really mental health positive games, uh, and see where that can go. Yeah. Three quick questions then. What's the one thing you wish all graphic designers knew? That they don't need to work in graphic design. Like graphic <laughs> design, I, I really wanted to work in graphic design, but. Towards my third year of uni, I feel like I started to see what that industry was, and it felt like a lot of people having a <laughs> over each other. It's, it's just, it's just like commercial and just, just selling projects for other people. I would like other graphic designers to realize that, yeah, they don't need to be a part of that, and they can their their skills, especially if they focus more on like visual communication than things like typesetting. Mm. Those those visual communication skills are transferable to so many industries and there's there's just a lot that you can do. Yeah, I was going to say something else than that, but I've gone. But yeah, mostly that. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? Space a lot, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like I like space a lot. Then, uh, like going back to the same graphic designers that um, got me really inspired to begin with, like Stefan Sagmeister is always a staple to me, who does a lot of... I mean, he's he's definitely like a multidisciplinary kind of graphic designer who, you know, doesn't just design on paper. He'll do 
lots of interesting things getting out into the world and creating things like he he well he cut two school buses in half and welded them top to bottom and put that on tour or something and he's you know just just stupid things like that that get out of the studio which i'd love to start doing (laughs) (laughs) and do you have an unfinished project that you still plan on going back to Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so the, this this game I'm working on at the moment is sort of a segue from a one that I was doing. So this game I'm doing right now is not sci-fi. It's not spacey at all. It's which is very much out of my comfort zone, which is great. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I wanted to do, get out of it a bit. And reason being, because we're working with this IP. But before we started on this project, I was working on a new spacey idol game, mm-hmm. which I guess you could say is sort of a spiritual successor to idol game. Like it's, it's got the same kind of, you know, sense of humor and tone of voice, but just built up to be a much bigger thing based on what I've learned. So I'm really, really excited about that. So that's a very fun side project, which will hopefully show itself within the next like two years. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, uh, I'm very excited about what we're doing with the Cypher project, which should be coming out this year. Excellent. Jake, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to sit and talk to you. So it has. One last thing just for you to promote any of your own work or anybody else's work, uh, if you want to. Check out logan's music all of it all the time (laughs) always (laughs) yeah oh and actually while i'm at it um uh john evelyn who is working on the collage atlas have you seen that so yes that was fantastic looking so yes yeah yeah so i've seen it at egx two years um in a row now Uh, yeah yeah. john's lovely anyway but the game is just phenomenal yeah i mean he so he lives in portsmouth where i live as well and um mm-hmm. so we co-work quite a bit and it's great seeing it come together like um i've only played it like three times because you see you know when he'll mm-hmm. actually be like can you play test this little bit and um and i give it a go and every time like looking at that game it, like on twitter and stuff you were like okay that's really cool the way all of this is hand illustrated and stuff mm-hmm. but then when you actually pick up the controller and navigate that world it's just if it was so cool and surreal it's lovely yeah it's it's phenomenal so that's i i'm very much looking forward to uh, its release yeah same no as i say that has been absolutely fantastic thank you very much jake no thanks for having me on as well it's been lovely yeah uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can get us on Twitter at how to make a game. That's the number two. You can get in contact with me at Saintly Stuart on Twitter, and you can email the show at how to make a game cast at gmail dot com. Now it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Jake. Great, thank you, and goodbye. All right, cheers. Bye.